0: Welcome to
1: The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, and we're bringing you our 1,300th episode special. And I always want to do something very interesting for these specials. And as we're now playing the uh, adventures of Philip Marlowe, the next couple of specials will focus on Raymond Chandler uh, stories done for other programs. Today's is really a uh, very different sort of story than what we typically associate with Chandler. Uh, It is a story called uh, Pearls Are a Nuisance. The program stars one of my favorite Golden Age uh, actors, William Bendix, and it first aired on suspense on April 19th of 1945. So here now is Pearls Are a Nuisance.
2: Now, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents
3: Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you a play of suspense and smile, starring William Bendix and Alan Jocelyn.
2: Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live. To your happiness and entertaining guests. To your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma wines bring you a
3: remarkable tale of suspense. And with Raymond Chandler's satirical suspense tale, Pearls Are a Nuisance. And with the performances of William Bendix and Alan Jocelyn, Roma wines hope indeed to keep you in suspense. quite true I
4: wasn't doing anything that morning except looking at a blank sheet of paper in my typewriter and thinking about writing a letter. It's also quite true that I don't have a great deal to do any morning, but I like not doing anything. It gives me something to do. And I don't like telephone calls that interfere with it. That's why I have two telephones. One a public phone that I can ignore, and the other a private phone, which I'd better answer if I know what's good for me, and I do.
5: What did you say, darling? Oh,
4: I said good morning, dear.
5: How are you, darling? Busy?
4: Yes and no. Mostly no. Why...
5: Somebody has stolen Mrs. Ten Ruddock's pearls, and I want you to find them.
4: Uh, possibly you think you have the police department on the line. This is the residence of Walter Gage. Walter Gage speaking.
5: If you aren't out here in less than half an hour, you'll receive a small parcel by registered mail containing a diamond engagement ring.
4: I'll tell Mr. Gage when he comes in. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh-huh.
4: I went naturally. I even hurried. Ellen's voice has that effect on me. I think it's the way she says. Walter, darling. Yes, Ellen.
5: Mrs. Penrodick's pearl necklace has been stolen.
4: So you said on the telephone my blood pressure remains normal.
5: It's a string of 49 matched pink pearls that Mr. Penrodick gave his wife on their golden wedding anniversary.
4: Only 49 pearls for 50 years of marriage? Wonders which was the bad year.
5: Oh, shut up, darling. Yes, dear. The worst part of it is the pearls are false.
4: False? Evidently, they're all bad years.
5: Don't be silly, Walter. The pearls were real enough when Mr. Penroddock gave them to her. The fact is, she sold them and had copies made. Those copies have been stolen. You've got to get them back, Walter.
4: What does it matter if they're false?
5: Well, she's terrified that the thief will blackmail her when he finds out there's only Im- imitation. If Mr. Penroddick ever hears that she sold the rich... Written...
4: Uh, I begin to see what might be described as daylight. But where do I start looking for these baubles from which your elderly employer is so loath to be separated?
5: Because I know who stole them. the so chauffeur we had here a few months, Walter. A horrid big bruiser named Henry Eichelberger. And he that suddenly the day before yesterday, for no reason at all, without a word. I'm sure he stole the pearls.
4: How big did you say he is? About six feet. In that case... Three. Uh, three? Six foot three? Three. I'm sure he didn't take them, dear, couldn't he?
5: He tried to kiss me once, Walter. Well,
4: huh? Oh, he did. Tried to kiss you, huh? Where is this big slab of meat, darling?
5: Here's the address he gave me when he first came here to work. Sounds like an unpleasant neighborhood. Not
4: half as unpleasant as it'll be for Eichelberger when I arrived. Tried to kiss you, did he?
5: The pearls are the important thing, Walter. And be careful. He's six foot three, remember? Yes, uh,
4: I find it difficult to forget. Eichelberger's address proved to be a seedy-looking hotel upstairs over a Chinese laundry. At the head of the stairs was the, the door marked "Manager." I rang the bell. Pull up, bud. Rose. I'm not inquiring for a room. I'm looking for one Henry Eichelberger, whom I'm informed lives here. If he does, he ain't registered. That, as, of course, you know, is contrary to the law.
0: A wise
6: guy,
4: hey. Down the hall, Jack. 218. Have the kindness to show me the way.
2: Huh. What do you know? A duke, no less. Okay, your lordship.
5: Pick up your feet, eh? This is it. He's
4: out. Have the goodness to unlock the door. I wish to go in and wait for this Eichelberger. In a pig's valise. Who do you think you are, Jake boy? I wouldn't call me names if I were you. You wouldn't, hey? Well, that just shows the difference between you and me, because I would. You want to make
6: something out of it, hey? Yes. What? Oh! Hey, that
4: wasn't fair. You
6: got twenty years on me, hey?
4: Well, open the door, hey. I have no time to argue with you.
3: Huh. A buck, uh, two bucks, and I won't even tell Eichelberger when he comes in, hey? That is a deal. Brother, you can. hit. I'll take that for you, hey?
4: Thanks, hey. Here's your money. If you hear any noises later on, ignore them. If there's any damage, it'll be paid for generously.
6: I hope you know what you're doing, hey.
4: I searched all the likely places where he might have hidden the necklace, and then I searched all the unlikely places. No necklace. Then I heard approaching footsteps.
6: How did you get in here, Sonny?
4: The explanation of that can wait. I'm looking for one Henry Eichelberger. Are you he?
6: Get yeah, you, a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt before you make me laugh.
4: My name's Gage, Walter Gage. Are you Eichelberger? Give me a nickel and I'll tell you. I'm the fiancé of Miss Ellen McIntosh. I'm informed that you tried to kiss her. What do you mean, try it? I hit him rather severely on the left eye. Then the right. And I gave him a crushing uppercut to the jaw. He looked at me with an air of patient resignation and then hit me. Hey. I bent over and took hold of the room with both hands and spun it. When I had it nicely spinning, I gave it a full swing and hit myself on the back of the head with the floor. I believe I lost consciousness at about this point. At any rate, I was no longer aware of the time of day.
3: For Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as stars Mr. Alan Jocelyn and Mr. William Bendix, whom you are hearing in Pearls Are a Nuisance by Raymond Chandler, which is Roma Wines' presentation tonight of Suspense.
2: Between the acts of Suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. We quote now a brief word from the famous hostess Elsa Maxwell.
5: The delicious flavor of tender broiled chicken, the succulence of spring lamb garnished with mint leaves, deserves the matchless flavor complement of Roma, California, Sauternes. This delicate wine, pale gold in color, delightful in bouquet, is a delicious flavor, mate, with fish or fowl.
2: Yes, just as the musical conductor blends the tones of different instruments, so the knowing hostess can combine the flavors of food with wine. Each glassful of Roma Sauternes is alight with Roma's rich heritage in winemaking. Here is a masterpiece of the wine grower's age-old skill. And all Roma wines, you'll find, are always unvaryingly good. The result of carefully selected grapes, picked at the peak of perfection in sunny California's choicest vineyards, and gently pressed. Then the natural juices are stored and guided with the ancient skill of Roma wineries to full goodness. Roma Wines do not vary, are always high in quality, yet cost only pennies a glass. More Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine.
3: R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage William Bendix as J. Henry Eichelberger and Alan Jocelyn as Walter Gage in Pearls Are a Nuisance, a muscular drama replete with situations... Well calculated to keep you in suspense. While
0: I
4: was thinking about the possibility of getting back to my feet in the very near future, a wet towel began to slap at my face and I opened my eyes. The face of one Henry Eichelberger was close to mine and bore a certain appearance of tender solicitude. All right, but I thought
6: maybe you was killed, Jack. You've got a stomach as weak as Chinese tea. Uh,
4: what, oh, what happened? As if I didn't know.
6: You tripped on a itty-bitty tear in a carpet. You feel like getting up? Here, I'll give you a hint. Come oh, on. Get thank you, boy.
4: Henry. May I call you Henry? Yeah, no tax on it. You look okay.
6: Why don't you tell me you were sick?
4: Eichelberger, you swine, that does it. <laughs> Cut it out. You'll must my hair. I wish you'd fall down when I hit you, Henry. Just once, it would do wonders for my morale. Ah, you know, you and me
6: could get along, Jack. I never kiss your girl, even if I ain't saying I wouldn't like to. Is that all that's eating on
4: you? Well, no, there's another matter.
6: Sit down and tell me the score. Only, uh, no more haymakers. They give me a headache. Promise?
4: I promise. <laughs> tell me, why did you leave the employer of Mrs. Penrodot?
6: You tell me. Am uh, I what you might call a good-looker?
4: Well, Henry... Don't
6: soak me. No,
4: then. I wouldn't call you handsome exactly, but unquestionably, you ate your spinach as a child. That's a consolation.
6: (laughs) Get you a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. Look, suppose you fell for a doll with stars in her hair. A guy like me that looks like a taxi going down the street with both doors open. Then suppose you get a job where you see this doll all the time and every day and you know it's no dice. What would you do, Jack? Me, I... just quit the job.
4: Ellen... Henry, I'd like to shake your hand. Go ahead. Uh, now, there's one more thing. Uh, one rather insignificant detail. I'm empowered to arrange for the return of Mrs. Penroduck's pearls. $50 reward and no embarrassing questions. You've got nerve, Jack.
6: So you think I stole some marbles and I'm sitting around here waiting for a flock of dicks to swarm me?
4: The police have not been told, Henry, and you may not be aware, but the pearls are false. Oh. Huh. That means they're false. Exactly.
6: You think I'd bother myself to hook some phonies?
4: You mean you didn't steal the necklace, Henry? Now, look.
6: If they were ringers, I wouldn't be bothered. If they was real, I wouldn't be holed up in no cheap flop in L.A. waiting for a couple of Carlos or Johns to put their sneeze on me, would
4: I? That's exactly what I thought, Henry. Well, as long as you didn't steal them, how'd you like the job of helping me recover them? Are you kidding? No, Henry, it's obvious that if you didn't snatch these marbles. I believe that's the expression. Someone else did, and you can help me find them. How about it? why not? Why not indeed.
6: Have you got any ideas of where to start?
4: Yes, I have. I feel that we must, as they say, tap the grapevine. When a string of pearls is stolen, all the underworld must be seeded. Ooh,
6: maybe you got right, but this underworld that's doing all this season ain't going to seize much over a string of glass beads. Sure. Or am I might punch it. I am
4: thinking, Henry, that the underworld probably has a sense of humor, and a thief who went to the trouble of stealing some worthless trinket would be the butt of considerable coarse jest.
6: It's there's the knuckle of an idea in that. I would say something like that could get around the pool rooms and start a little wholesome chuckling, all right?
4: Yes, all we need to do is to locate a reliable crook.
6: Oh, there's a a guy named Lou Scandizi that runs the Blue Lagoon downtown. Might be interested in some marbles, but uh, he don't like being asked questions. He sounds dangerous. Yeah, we'll turn him inside out and take a look at his liver.
4: Very well, let us go and beard this Scandese character in his malodorous den.
6: Yeah, let us go and beard... Uh, to leave
4: us do what you said. Mr. Scandese's blue lagoon wasn't difficult to find. It was a rather soiled establishment bathed in an unpleasant blue light. Henry and I went to a small, dim dining room to a door marked private.
3: You,
4: scandezi?
3: Ah, uh, who wants it to know?
6: Me and my friend here want to talk to you. Oh?
3: I'll talk. I'm listening. About some pearls. 49. Is that right, Walter? Quite right, then. A pearl necklace that somebody hoisted. Go on, get out before I have you thrown out. you do what? I'll do... I'll do nothing. No, that's
5: better, Joe.
3: What about
6: them pearls? Well, I... Don't think I heard about it. Try to remember. Maybe if I pulled off one of your ears, it might help. Henry,
4: you seem to be doing all the work. Do you think that's quite fair? Well, okay.
6: You work them over. Oh. These fat guys bruised something lovely.
4: Oh, take it
6: easy. I, I ain't heard nothing. You uh, this guys
3: insurance the man,
6: men, huh? Now you're cooking with
3: helium, go face well, uh, what insurance company you boys work for?
4: Give them card, Walter. No, this is my personal card. I have my phone number on it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Okay, okay. You you may be surprised. You you may get a cough.
6: What do you think, Wally? You think this muzzle is leveling with us?
4: I dare say he wouldn't be above telling us an untruth.
6: <laughs> get you a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. You've given us the straight goods, Scandesey?
3: Straight goods,
6: absolute.
3: <laughs> we'll cooperate. I'll bet you get a cough. Okay. So long,
6: Scandesey. And keep your schnozzle clean if you don't want to be looking for it under your desk, hey?
3: And that goes
4: to your cat, too, Scandesey, hey. What now? I think we've done yeah, an adequate sure. day's work, Henry. The procedure would seem to be for me to go home and wait for the telephone to ring, bearing glad tidings from the underworld. What about me? I would suggest if you wend your way homeward also. Uh, here's my private number. Call me in the morning.
6: Okay. See you tomorrow.
4: I went home and waited for the phone to ring. I must have fallen asleep after a while. It was quite dark when the call came through. Well, here goes. Uh, Walter Gage speaking. Acme Insurance Company.
5: When did you become an insurance company? Oh, hello.
4: It's you, Ellen. Why didn't you call on the private phone? Oh,
5: I didn't have the number handy. You haven't found the pearls yet. How'd you know? He just got a telephone call. From whom? He wouldn't say. All he said was he heard from somebody named Stan something. Stan Deasy? That's it. That we were looking for the pearls.
4: Has he found out the pearls are false?
5: No. I didn't
4: tell him. All right, don't worry. We have an idea how to get them back.
5: We? Who's we? Henry and me. Henry? Henry who? I go
4: I've hired him to help me find the pearls.
5: Are you out of your mind? Didn't Henry take the pearls? Of course not.
4: He only left because he was in love with you. Oh, Walter,
5: that's big brute. How could you say such things?
4: Ellen, I thought you'd
5: be flattered. Flattered? I never want to speak to you again, Walter Gage. Goodbye. Ellen.
4: Oh. Oh. Jim and I
0: sometimes want you. <laughs>
4: Hello, honey. I'm so glad you called back.
3: Listen, darling, I... Who are you
0: calling honey, sweetheart?
3: Uh, who's this?
0: Never mind. Your name's Gage? Yes. A guy named Scandese says you're looking for some oyster fruit. A frail named McIntosh says you're the guy to talk to. Possibly. Well, I got 49 of them, pal. Pink one. Five grand is the price.
4: Why, that's absurd. Those pearls happen to be false.
0: Quit your kidding. You heard me. Five Gs. I'll give you tomorrow afternoon to scrape it together. Then I'll call you and let you know where to meet me.
4: Hello? Ellen, this is Walter.
5: I told you I never wanted to speak to you again. All right, I won't
4: speak to you. Just tell me the name of the man who sold Mrs. Penrodick's pearls for her
5: Gallimore, Roger Gallimore. He has a jewelry company downtown. Thank you. Walter!
4: How do you like it, darling? <laughs> Beginning to see the light, the next morning I went to see this Mr. Gallimore. He was a tall pink man of about seventy, and he listened to my narrative of events with considerable interest. Hmm. Five thousand seems like a good deal for a string of false pearls. Yes, indeedy. And you know what I think, Mr. Gallimore? What, Mr. Gage? I believe that the pearls are, in fact, real. Hmm. You're a very old friend of Mrs. Mm Penroddick, perhaps even a childhood sweetheart. When she gave you the pearls to sell, you didn't sell them, Mr. Gallimore. Instead, you gave her $20,000 of your own money and returned the pearls to her, pretending they were imitations of the original necklace. Son, you think a lot smarter than you talk. I try very hard, Mr. Gallimore. Then I'm correct. Embarrassingly so, Mr. Gage. Pearls are real. Now, what would you like me to do? Give me five thousand dollars with which to get them back. <laughs> Mr. Gallimore felt much better after he'd had a glass of water, and some hours later I managed to convince him that I knew approximately what I was doing. He gave me a check for five thousand dollars. This check, Henry?
6: You mean he gave it to you? Five thousand fish, just
4: like that? You have said it.
6: Well, I'll be a Mickey Finn at a woman's club lunch. Did you get something with that daisy chain chatter of yours? Thank
4: you, Henry. At any rate, all that remains now is for, for the phone to ring.
6: Uh-huh. You can say that again.
4: Very well. Aha. Uh-huh. Hello? Gage? Yes, who's this?
0: Yes. You got the dough.
4: It's in my pocket at this exact moment. If I have any assurance of honorable treatment, I'm prepared to go through with it.
0: Oh, you get the marvels, okay? We're in this business a long time, and we can't afford the wealth. If we did it, it'd get around and nobody would play with us.
4: I understand. What are your
0: instructions? Tonight at 8 sharp, you'll be at Pacific Palisade. You got that? Yes. At the end of the dirt road, corner of Sunset and Corona Del Mar. Be there at 8 sharp. And come alone and no guns. No funny business, no smart work, and no slip up. Nobody get hurt. That's the way we do business.
4: Very well. Oh, uh... One last thing. Where did you get my phone number from? Scandisi?
0: Who else? Eight o'clock, then. And no tricks. Hmm. That is very interesting. What? What? Telephone?
6: Yeah, yeah. Hooray for Alexander Graham. What's his name? But what did the guy say?
4: Hmm. Well, oh, oh, yes. yeah. Uh, it's all arranged, Henry. I'm to meet them tonight, all by myself, and give them the money.
6: All by yourself, huh? <laughs> get you a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. They'll take the dough and leave you laying there bleeding all over yourself, and they'll still have the marbles. I ought to go with you.
4: Henry, it's my duty, and I must brave these monsters and human guys alone and unattended. Of course, I do have a big car, and you could hide on the floor under a
6: rug. The cinch.
4: But maybe. Walter,
6: the only thing wrong with you, as far as I can see, is you got holes in your head. All I'm trying to do is keep you from getting another one. I'm going with you. <laughs>
4: it was settled. Henry was to go with me. That afternoon, I stopped at the bank 500, where I cashed 10, Mr. 50, Gallimore's 20, check and 20, changed it into a hundred-dollar bill.
3: You counted as though it were your own. Five thousand. Five thousand? Five
4: thousand. And now a roll of quarters, please. Roll of quarters, please? Well, there seems to be an echo in here. Leave them in the wrapper. Oh.
6: Ooh, quite heavy, aren't they?
4: Yes, aren't they? <laughs> Late that evening, I found myself out on the Pacific Palisades with Henry Eichelberger, boy, in the back of the car. I was very nervous. I think Henry was also. Neither of us were any too sure of what was going to happen that night. Oh, me back! What's the matter, Henry? Aren't you comfy back there? Oh, I'm comfy, all right. Only my
6: heater keeps digging into me. Ain't we there yet?
4: Well, we're getting close. Stay down. This is business. <laughs> This is the end of the line, Henry. Be careful, they're probably watching me.
0: Okay.
6: What the hell? Oh, it's, it's me, water. My, my gun is breaking my back. Well, stop sitting on it. I did. Anything stirring? No, keep quiet. I'll make like a little mousey.
4: Don't you think we've waited... I mean, don't you think we've waited long enough, Henry?
6: Uh, We've only been waiting 15 minutes. Are you sure this is the place? Yes, of course. Well, let's get out of the car and see if anybody shoots at us. Then we'll know if somebody's around.
0: Well, that seems to
4: be the difficult way of finding out, but let's try it. I personally feel sure that there's no one here but you and I. Suckers.
6: You know what happened, Walter?
4: What do you think, Henry? Uh,
6: well, just a try-out, that's all. Huh? Tomorrow this guy calls you on a, again on the phone, and he says, sorry, but they had to be careful, and they'll try again tonight, maybe. Maybe out in San Fernando Valley. And the price is now ten grand on account of their extra trouble. They ought to go back and twist that scan easy so he spends the rest of his life looking up his left pants leg.
4: Well, Henry, what's the next move?
6: Well, uh, I'll feed it home, how I won't need this gun anymore my back is sore enough
4: from it. We stood there and looked at one another, Henry and I. He doubled his hands into fists and shook them slowly in his sadness. I, too, was melancholy. In the brief time I'd known Henry, I'd grown very fond of him.
6: Nothing else to do but beat it on home. That's all that's left to us.
4: I took my right hand out of my pocket. I have large hands. In my right hand nestled the roll of quarters I'd gotten from the bank that morning. My hand made a large and heavy fist around them. Henry didn't notice.
6: What are you looking at me so funny for, Walter?
4: I just wanted to say goodnight, Henry. You had two strikes on me. This is the big one.
6: I don't get it.
4: He got it then. My fist, with nearly a pound of metal in it, caught him squarely on the jaw. For a moment, he wavered back and forth on his feet, and then. Henry Eichelberger lay motionless on the ground, as limp as a rubber glove. I found the pearls twined around his ankle inside his left sock. Well, Henry, I said, although he couldn't hear me, you're a gentleman, even if you are a thief. You could have taken the money a dozen times today. You could have taken it a little while ago when you still had the gun. But even that repelled you. You threw the gun away, and we were man to man. But still you hesitated. In fact, Henry, I said, for a successful thief, you hesitated just a little too long. But as a sporting man, I can only think more highly of you. Goodbye, Henry, and good luck, I said. I put a hundred-dollar bill in his chubby little fist and withdrew. End of story.
5: But how did you know it was Henry, darling?
4: You told me so, little lemon cookie. You were quite sure of it.
5: I know, but you must have had proof of some kind.
4: Well, there was one other minor detail that convinced me Henry was the guilty party. I gave Scandisi my phone number, but I have two telephones. One's a private line. Only two people had that number. You were one of them. Henry was the other. When Henry's accomplice got in touch with me, he used the phone number I'd given Henry, not the one I gave Scandisi. You see?
5: Oh, darling, you're so clever. Well, of course, you may kiss me
4: if you like. A few months after Ellen and I were married, we received a letter postmarked Honolulu. It was from Henry.
6: My dear, dear Walter, I have only just received the joyous tidings that you and Ellen are embarked upon the happy tide of holy matrimony. I am so glad for you. I often think of you, Walter particularly with an overwhelming curiosity as to what it was you struck me with that night. Ah, well, I dare say it can only be conjecture on my part now. A hammer, perhaps. That I allowed my jaw to be exposed to your weapon while I stood there meditating as to whether to take your 5,000 then or wait for 10 the following evening was a human error of judgment. At any rate, I entertain no feelings of ill will towards you. On the contrary, I am indebted to you greatly. The ease with which you talked Mr. Gallimore out of five thousand dollars has changed my life. I have been taking English lessons myself, and am now practicing on a wealthy widow woman, not without financial success. Ah, toujours le sport. Devotedly, Henry. P.S. Was it perchance an anvil, I wonder?
5: You know, Henry wasn't such a bad fellow. All I really disliked him for was his barbaric English. Now he's changed that. Maybe I should have married him. What do you think, Walt?
4: Oh, get you. A real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt.
3: <laughs> and so closes Pearls Are a Nuisance, in which Roma Wines have brought you William Bendix and Alan Jocelyn as co-stars of tonight's study in... A Sense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spears. Before
2: our stars return to the microphone, let me say a word for Roma Wine, the sponsor of Suspense. Elsa Maxwell's hospitality is always simple and unaffected. The other day she said...
5: A few old friends, some comfortable chairs, a glass or two of good Roma California sherry, and there you have the perfect combination for a pleasant evening at home. In fact, you'll find the light nut-like flavor of this glorious amber-golden Roma sherry is delightful anytime. time. A delicious prelude to dinner, a gracious note of hospitality whenever friends drop in.
2: Best of all, Roma wines are so reasonably priced any family can afford to serve them regularly. The goodness of Roma wines can add a lot to the joy of your daily living. Always delightful, always unvaryingly high in quality, yet cost only pennies a glass. And the next time you use vermouth, sweet or dry, use Roma vermouth. Zestful, herb-flavored Roma vermouth is blended, mellowed, developed, and bottled in California with all the traditional
4: winemaking skill of Roma wineries. Try Roma Vermouth soon, won't you? This is Alan Jocelyn. I trust that you died in a wool suspense fans who are cut in somewhat heavier meat on these Thursday dramas we weren't displeased with our efforts in the interests of gaiety and insouciance. Do you concur, Mr. Bendix?
0: Who
6: gets you a real comedian? Wait till I loosen my galluses.
4: Courtesy <laughs> impels me to tell you that Mr. Bendix here is being heard weekly on his own radio show, The Life of Riley, and Paramount impels me to say that he'll soon be seen in their production two years before the match.
6: Commit mm, me to return the favor, hey? Alan Johnson is soon going to be seen in the 20th Century Fox 30th Anniversary Production, Colonel Effingham's Race.
3: Thanks, Bill. No, not at all, not at all. Next Thursday, you will hear John Payne and Stuart Irwin as stars of Suspense. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines,
2: R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Welcome back well, a uh, nice change of pace and a very fun episode uh it It can be really easy to um go overboard and have a uh detective comedy that doesn't work, but this one is uh funny and it's uh like I said an entirely different side of uh Raymond chandler and it's surprising just because i I think so much of the Philip Marlowe, you know, written material in particular, uh, seemed to come out of a place of uh, depression and sadness, but here this is something much lighter, kind of reminiscent of The Thin Man in a way, though except without the uh, romantic angle. This particular episode would also be uh, remade five years later, um, actually almost to the day on April 20th, 1950. Uh, with uh, Ray Milland as uh, Walter Gage and Hal March uh, playing Henry Ockelberger. But uh, given that this is the only chance I'll have to present uh, William Bendix and the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, that was the version I had to go with. So I hope you enjoyed it. Well, we'll be back to our normal schedule. Join us on Monday for Pursuit. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.